Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. We're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive all year long. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. I'm Tom. Hey guys, how are your weeks? I don't even know what today is. (laughs) It's Tuesday, of course. It's Monday, the 15th. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I interviewed for an internal promotion on Thursday. So I'm waiting to hear back on that. That's exciting. Yeah. We were excited for you on that day. I don't know how it went. I'm a very nervous interviewee. (laughs) (laughs) Did duties come up? (laughs) Duties always come up when you talk with Anthony. You're so funny, both of you. Ha, 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 ha. Speaking of jobs, my 16-year-old daughter just got a job. Ooh, doing what? Where's she working? She's going to work at Panera. Ooh, very cool. She's going to guess Chick-fil-A. So she's going to get over her fear of speaking publicly? like She's going to have to. (laughs) She's just going to have to. Or is she going to direct them to the self-service machines (laughs) so she doesn't have to talk to any of them? (laughs) That might be it. They (laughs) asked her. Yeah, she actually might pull a Vanna White. They asked, like, so where do you want to work here? And she's like, I've never had a job, so I don't really know anywhere you want to put me. <laughs> it's fine. So she's pretty excited, though. She has access to soup and bread. She's got to be right. I know. And coffee for mom. <laughs> she might come home with coffee for me every single night. How was your Kinda week, Tom? Works. Anything fun happen? Nope. Just planning an event. For the uh, week of March 3rd. That's, uh, Ooh, what event? Proximity. It is a pet conference. Ooh, where's it going to be at? All virtual? All virtual. It'll That's be on me. If it wasn't all virtual, where would it be at? I don't know. We probably would, uh, wouldn't would be doing it. Oh. It's a last minute. That's so fun, though. I know. So you've been doing all the hours with all the works for this awesome I am ready thing to get up. back to. I am ready to get back to normal. I, I'm looking forward to going to see my team. Yeah. I could care less if I ever have to go back to the office. <laughs> yeah, but going back to the office to me means that trip across the pond. That'd be awesome. Or to I, do, I do have some not some awesome news. We canceled our Hawaii trip. Oh, no, because of everything. Mm. Canceled or moved? Canceled. Will it be moved? Will it resurrect at some point? Or is it just dead? At some point down the line. Okay. But... Okay. 
That's bummer. We figured we wanted the full Hawaii experience, and you're not going to get that you right now. get it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So. I mean, that's what we did with Disney, right? Yeah, I'm concerned about Disney I was about to year. say, you may still have to... I know. Still may not get it this year, sadly. I know. Well, I'm not as concerned about not the whole Disney experience. I'm st- I'm concerned that things will not be chill right in June is my concern. Um, we're well, they're fine. Say- they're saying fall at experience. the earliest now. I think that's yeah. What they're saying. Yeah. It's sad. We'll see. It's sad. It is sad. It's different this year. We did find out. Next year, they're already planning for marching band trips and stuff like that, which would be great to have some kind of normalcy. My marching banders might get to go to Indianapolis, which is kind of fun. For the Indy 500? No, for BOA Super Regional Indianapolis. Super Super Regional. I like it. Yeah. It sounds a bit like Daytona 500, Indy 500 a little bit, doesn't it? It does. But pretty cool. So we're planning with our fingers crossed, right? Yeah. I saw a shirt that reminded me of you, Julia. So I posted it in a Walt Disney World, you know, a group on Facebook. And it was, for those of you who are obsessed with Peloton and Disney, it's a Peloton workout shirt. And it's like the P logo, but the space in the P is the start of one of Mickey's ears. And then it's a (gasps) logo. Oh, I need that. That's magic. Yeah. I quite like that. (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. There are some instructors I very much like that are huge Disney fans. And there's a Disney ride, which was tons of fun. There are a few Disney rides. I've been doing my bookmarking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So fun. Um, Not so fun. (laughs) Yeah, I was waiting for somebody to say it. Ellie's about to turn five. <gasps> oh, when that's that tragic happen, and amazing Tom? at the same time. <laughs> the, the 18th. Well, it's sad. She didn't get a birthday party last year because of COVID. And she's not getting one this year. COVID. Right. Oh, but baby girl. doesn't she have special people wishing her a happy birthday this year, Tom? She does. We got, uh, I had a meet and greet with Jimmy World, who she loves. She loves their music. And they wish her a happy birthday. So we have a surprise video for her at least. And I'm going to take off work and we're going to do a lot of fun family stuff these that day. That's awesome. That's awesome. She turned five. She's turning five and we just enrolled her in kindergarten. My baby oh. Up. Ooh, hit me in the feels. Yep. I remember oh, when I first quote unquote met her, she was a baby. I know we've been doing this for a minute. We've been doing this for a minute. It's the same four age as Ellie years. this year going on in the four years <laughs> oh yeah four years so you're younger than la yep. we've been doing this for a minute which is how movies like tonight's masterpiece end up on the list that's how we're yeah that's why we're uh trying to the bottom of the barrel right <laughs> we have way more bottom of the barrel than this we one, do guys. have way more i will admit that <laughs> Okay, uh, we are covering tonight the 2001 Set at Christmas movie Serendipity, starring John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. Little rom com for you. I would call it rom fantasy. Yeah, it's not really a com. 
I was, I was struggling with that a little bit, trying to describe to Hannah what it was. I'm like, I think it's trying to be a rom-com, but it's just a rom. I wouldn't say it was like a rom drama either though. Cause it wasn't overly dramatic. I didn't find like some of the movies we've covered. It was like a space boring. between. Yeah. It was, it was One a, note. I, I would say it's a rom fantasy like this. I mean, we'll get into it, but this is fantastical even for some of the stuff we've covered. Okay, let's do plot synopsis and then we'll get into histories. On a magical night when they are in their 20s, Jonathan meets Sarah. He finds it is love at first sight, but Sarah believes in destiny. After 10 years, is it, do we even know it was 10 years? It's seven. A few years later. Okay. Seven, according to the director, it's seven. Okay. Seven years, which put a pin in that. <laughs> After seven years, the two, with 3,000 miles between them, must decide if fate wants them to be together again. When love feels like magic, it is called destiny. When destiny has a sense of humor, it's called serendipity. That's not so bad. That's not a bad synopsis. For the record, the serendipity restaurant is not that great. Oh, see, I want to talk about that. So let's put a pin in that one and we'll come to it. Well, a lot uh, of pins happening already. Lots of pins, <laughs> lots of pins. Well, plot's not going to take us very far, so. <laughs> That's what okay. I was thinking when I was watching it. Also, yeah, okay. Let's put do histories. <laughs> okay, so let's do histories with serendipity. Anthony, you go first. Sure. I saw it today. That's my history. I've never seen it before. I've avoided seeing this movie because I've heard from people how boring and overly saccharine it is. Little did I know how saccharine it would be until I put it on this morning. Oh, man, that was like, I mean, I gave up my vanilla lattes for a while from Starbucks and like, oh, man, that's the dose of sugar I needed, I guess. But oof. I mean, not the worst thing we've ever covered by a long shot, but I have a lot of problems with this movie. A lot of problems. Tom, what's your history? Maybe I've seen it before. Maybe I haven't. It was unrememberable. It was like not memorable to me, although there were parts that felt somewhat familiar. So I don't know, but I watched it today and immediately started snarky comments on Discord. I don't think I saw any of those. I'm sure they you were. You did. Familiar. You asked me about it. Oh, did I? Yeah, were your comments unrememberable to me? Where they threw everything away to meet each other and, you know, part. The, oh. The, the sequel is going to be she, she learns he's been a secret Nazi all these, all these years. And she gave up I, of, yeah. I did see that because I was terrified you were actually saying that John Cusack was a neo Nazi. And then that would make me very sad. Very. Can I say sad. something about neo Nazis real quick? I mean, sure. I don't know how we can't follow up with that, with that to see where we're going. I mean, I'm <laughs> all I'm, to all I'm going to say, all I want to say, and maybe this is a bit petty of me, maybe not. I'm so glad we are a podcast that does not cater to neo Nazis. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm so glad that neo-Nazis do not like our podcast and have called us out for our views. That's all I'm going to say. Back to you, Jude, guys. Okay. Oh, um, Okay, my history with this movie is I think Mom and I saw it in the theaters, probably. 
Um, it would have been right. Was this one of your skipped school days? No. So this was 2001. So I had already graduated from high school and I think we were probably living up here. So while it wasn't a skip school, it's so great. You remembered that though. While it wasn't a skip school with mom movie, it was definitely a, Hey, you want to go see a movie? Yeah. I want to go see a movie. Let's go see a movie. Um, so I, my like for this movie is going to just be a lot because I watched it with my mom and I have fond memories of that. So um, I, I haven't about... seen it. Oh, sorry. I thought you were moving into cast. Sorry. Go on with your history. I just want to say something about the year it came out. I'm sorry, Julia. Well, so while I, I, I haven't seen this movie though, and I mean, at least five or six years. So watching it again, <laughs> There's some problems <laughs> that were not problems for me when I first watched it. So time does change things sometimes with movies. Sometimes. I'll be sometimes. curious to see how much it changed for you, though. Yeah. When we get to scoring. When we get to scoring. My least favorite so, part. So this came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. Two weeks after 9-11 a week and a half after 9-11. And in that week and a half, they had to edit out the World Trade Center from the film, which is interesting to me because like a week and a half, the movies weren't at theaters yet. So they had to like, you know, they haven't mailed them out yet. So that's a quick turnaround work. Yeah, it is. Huh, I I didn't know that. No. No, not me either. Um, Especially that fresh. Yeah. Yeah, that's real fresh. That would have been very difficult. That would have been really difficult. Um, okay, so let's talk about cast for this movie. Talk about this movie's cast. Um, director is pre. Director is Peter Chelson. Is that right? That's how I. That's how I'd pronounce it. Chelson. I want to say Chisholm, but that's not right. Um, he has done some acting things, but since we're talking about him as a director. Let's talk about him as director. Um, He directed in 1998, The Mighty. He also directed Town and Country, another rom-com. That one was more of a rom-com, I think, than this one was. Um, 2004's Shall We Dance, the Hannah Montana movie in 2009, as well as the uh, independent 2017 The Space Between Us, which is the one I had heard of most recently from him. I all, I have to, all I have to say is look at his filmography and it says a lot. You mean the fact that he was in a 1985 movie called Christmas Present? Ooh. So we're going to cover him on the acting side too eventually? That's exciting. Eventually. It's one of those I'm looking at it and I'm thinking it's probably not going to make our list. He is also an additional voice in Toy Story that time forgot. So we've already covered him. Oh, there you without go. realizing it. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that is our director. Our writer for this movie is Mark Klein, since I know story will most definitely come up. Um, He's, I don't know, he's helped write a few things. Um, A Good Year, which I think is the movie with Russell Crowe. Is that right? Where he's in a vineyard. If I remember that vaguely, I think it might also be a lovey-dovey movie. Um, And he directed, he wrote the screenplay for Mirror, Mirror, which is uh, the adaptation of Snow White. Did you like that version with Juliet? Not Juliet Lewis. (laughs) That would have been a different movie with Julia Julia Roberts. (laughs) 
I did not. I just want a flat out Disney adaptation of Snow White. Yeah. A live action. Yeah. Who would be your Snow White? I don't know. But Peter Dinklage would be my grumpy. I don't without a doubt. I don't think it's appropriate to cast him outside the park. Peter Dinklage as Grumpy and Warwick Davis as Doc. Give me that movie. <laughs> he was also an additional crew member in While You Were Sleeping. <gasps> oh, so this guy's an old hat for us. No, I, I don't think we would def- we definitely did not cover it. His, uh, he was an assistant to Mr. Turtlewob. Turtlepop. And uh Oh, so thinking? we did cop. We did cover him because he was there for that scene where he punctured his scrotum while playing basketball with a pencil. Oh, Lord. I just made that up off the top of my head. I don't know if it's in that scene, but that would be the scene I would assume he would be in if he's a work assistant. A work related person? I assume that's the scene. Uh, no, he was an assistant like in the crew. Oh, okay. So he was there for every scene then, probably. <laughs> Including the pencil one. Oh, um, okay. So to the casting credit, that's just a lot more visual and recognizable to us. Um, our main male character is Jonathan Traeger, played by John Cusack. And here's where I ask, because I have zero memory for who we have and have not covered, as proven in the last few episodes. Um, we haven't done, done John Cusack yet, have we? We've done Joan Cusack. His much but more talented John. sibling. Oh, we could all save ourselves, and we could all save ourselves a lot of embarrassment and just do everybody every time. I mean, I don't because get embarrassed when I don't remember. But. I don't. I don't know how many of these we get halfway through, and we're like, oh yeah, we covered that person. Because you know, we now have <laughs> two hundred and seven episodes under our belt. I don't think we have covered John because looking we through his not. credits, I see yeah zero. Zero Christmas. Um, so John Cusack, I mean, his main, I would I would think his more recognizable things are going to be um, High Fidelity, probably. His first, I mean, aside from Say Anything in the 80s, adult John Cusack. Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank, yep. High Fidelity, I- he was a small part in Eight Men Out. I'm looking through his filmography right now, and I think I don't like any John Cusack movie. Maybe Con Air. Hot Tub Time Machine? The Grifters? Hot Tub Time Machine was okay. Must Love Dogs? Well, that was a real stinker. You like Anastasia, and he's the voice of the male character in Anastasia. He's Dimitri. How do you know I like Anastasia? Because I know you like Anastasia. We've talked about it. <laughs> yeah, he was also. <laughs> I don't think you're being fair because he was also in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil and uh, The Thin Red Line, both great movies. Uh, he was in Being John Malkovich, America's Sweethearts. Being Identity. John Malkovich is one of my favorite movies of all times. I've never seen that movie. It is brilliant and amazing, and so it it's so good. He was also in the movie Identity, which was the first movie I farted in front of Marty <laughs> in a movie theater. A little embarrassing, but you know. Is that something you've um, done a lot since? I mean, no, I haven't. It's like an isolated I like we, incident. What do we call it? The first movie. The I first movie. Yeah, I should have phrased theater. that differently. At the theater, he <laughs> is. <laughs> we remember. We remember all of our first two together: the car, the restaurant. Oh. Well, and in true good date form, he 
pretending like it didn't happen. And I only found out years later that he in fact did hear it. I was like, dang it. I thought maybe you didn't. He's like, oh no, I heard it. <laughs> and it stuck with him for that long. It was during the one you know, quiet moment in the movie, it. right? It was the one quiet moment in the movie. Of all I've times. i heard this story before. Yeah, I've in... told it before. <laughs> and also 16 Candles. We can't forget that. Of course. He's also in Utopia, which I have not watched yet, but it's supposedly a really good TV show. And it also stars Dwight from The Office. Okay. I was about to say, is that the one with Dwight? He has a yep. name. Rain Wilson, but he'll Thank always you. be Dwight. So uh, I'm we're glad... Playing Animal Crossing. Oh. We're no, playing Animal Crossing, and Ellie had somebody come to her island bring her something from an Animal Crossing Discord that I'm on. Um, we were helping like parents, they're like parents who have kids, so it was like safe for the to go this island to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, the person who came off looked just like white. It was pretty epic. <laughs> like what Because that, that has nothing to the story. <laughs> um, I will say John Cusack seemed to have a heyday, which has ended. Unless Utopia is amazing, and then may he's he's got to come back, built in. I mean, but yeah, I'm just gonna say I stand by what I said when you read his name that I think his sister is far more talented. I like her a lot more. She's in a lot more movies I love. Hmm. I like his sister, but I like him just as much. But I've always liked him. Which oh, sister are you talking about? He has Joan. two sisters. Joan Cusack. Uh, yes. It's one that's in the movies. Is his other sister in movies, in the picture shows? She has minor roles. In, she was Shirley Baker in A League of Their Own. <gasps> that's his sister? Mm-hmm. The one that couldn't read? Yeah. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Yep. You learn something new every day. Thank you for that, Anthony. No problem. Um, playing our heroine. No. No. Playing our girl lead Thank is you Kate for Beckinsale. That. <laughs> Kate Beckinsale, who we definitely have not covered. Um, she was a heroine uh, in the other movies I like watching her in. She has played a heroine. <laughs> that's that's accurate, just not in this one. Um, so I first saw her in Much Ado About Nothing. She was hero forever and a day ago, um, but. People don't she's know in, her from that. Early, she's in my <laughs> favorite Adam 90s? Sandler movie, Click. Oh, that's your favorite. The early 90s version of Much Better Nothing? Yeah. Like the 94, 95 one, whatever. Wow. Yeah, with Denzel Washington yeah. and my favorite Gilderoy Lockhart and Trelawney. And <laughs> it's great because it's a Kenneth Branagh version. Everything he does is gold when it comes yeah, to Shakespeare. Yeah, I didn't know anyway. that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and she was also in, oh, I don't know, this little fantasy series, Underworld, um, which I would guess is probably where people know her best from. I tell you something, she was always uh, number one choice for like 15 years whenever there was rumors of a new Batman movie. Everyone wanted her to play Catwoman. She would have been the best. She's like the best Catwoman that never was. She would have rocked that role. I could see that. I could totally see that. She was, uh, I remember her, first time I really noticed her was when she was in the Claire Danes movie, Broke Down Palace. 
Oh, she counterpart to Claire Danes in she that was one. The other one when yeah, she was the friend she went she went abroad with. You know, a movie she was in that I really like that everyone hates, but and I know Pearl it's Harbor. corny as heck. Van Helsing. Oh, Van Helsing's not corny. Van Helsing is good. I like that movie. It was fun. It, it, I it was is upset that I never got fun. a sequel. Yeah, it's cheesy fun, exactly. Yeah. I really like it. It's also movie. in Pearl Harbor and uh yes. speaking of oh. Batman. <laughs> Let me just click on it. The Leonardo DiCaprio movie about Howard Hughes. The Aviator. She played Ava Gardner. She was in Total Recall. The new one? Yep, the Remake? one from 2012. Yep. She played Julia in a radio adaptation of Julia's favorite Shakespeare play, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> oh, then I see. Nope. <laughs> She was also Emma Woodhouse. If we're talking old, old great plays and stories, um, she was Emma Woodhouse in the TV movie Emma. I could see that. Still think you should go back and listen to the like, watch a good version of Romeo and Juliet. Just watch Mercutio. There is no good version of. I Mercutio's don't. I don't hate. Speech is unbelievable. I don't hate everything about Romeo and Juliet. Just all of my hates accumulate into I don't like it. I'm not saying that there's not stuff in it that I like. The Mercutio Queen Mab speech is my, one of my favorite pieces of Shakespeare to watch before. Hmm. Uh, she's in a movie coming out, TBA, called El Tanto. That has a pretty big cast of, let's see, Charlie Day, Jason Sudeikis, Edie Falco, John Malkovich, Jillian Bell, Ray Liotta, Randy Orton, Kang Jong, Adrian Brody. Watch John Malkovich do anything. Quite a yeah. <laughs> I'd watch a movie with John of Malkovich stuff. just walking around the house making a turkey sandwich or something. I'd still watch it and love it. <laughs> Even he couldn't <laughs> save Space Force though. I like Space Force. Okay. So he playing was, he was epic. <laughs> no, you're good. Um playing John Cusack's character's best friend is Jeremy Piven. My favorite um, character in this movie. I These two guys have done a lot together. You were going to say that. Um, they have done a lot together. Gross Point Blank. Say and did I click on the right person? Yes. Yep. Gross Point yep. Blank. Say anything. Um, we probably know Jeremy Piven the most from Entourage. You think that's accurate? Ari Gold, the best part of that show, with by a mile, who should have gotten his own spinoff. I never yes. watched that show. You wouldn't we, like it. He was like no, I didn't. No, I said you wouldn't like it. Wouldn't oh, like I wouldn't it. like it. Okay, I had the feeling he, I wouldn't like it. But he is the best part of that show, which even people who don't like the show say after watching the show. He's just the funniest on that show. Okay, all right. He plays He's Mr. Hollywood Christmas agent. Movie we should check out. What's that? It's called My Dad's Christmas from last year. Oh, my Dad's my Christmas. Dad's Christmas. Oh. oh I had it cut off. My dad's Christmas date. It was cut off on my screen. Sorry. Oh, uh, here's the part of the show that we say, oh, we have covered him before. We did cover Jeremy Piven. He was in, he was in the family man. Also as about to... best friend. <laughs> also so weird. Cause I would say they're kind of similar movie, not like the similar same person. Plot, but same yeah. type of uh, tone. The yeah. Same some fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. He is. It's definitely the same person. Yep. He, okay. but, um, 
<laughs> yeah, which makes sense because I was like, I'm pretty sure we've talked about Entourage at least once before. That's probably where it came up. Did we talk about that? when we talked about that? Did we talk about uh, Ellen? Probably. We had to talk about that. We had to have talked about Ellen, but he was on Ellen. He was good on Ellen. Apparently, he had several recurring roles on Rugrat. Huh. Interesting. Which, yeah. Kind of a random one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a huge right. show back in the early 90s. That's true. Um, playing uh, Kate Beckinsale's character's best friend is somebody we've definitely covered, but I'm going to say her name as much as I want to because I love her. Uh, Molly Shannon plays her best friend, um, and we previously talked about her in The Santa Claus. Now, I'm going to say Molly the, Shannon. And the, Grinch, and the Grinch. Molly Shannon was my favorite character. Yeah, me too. I, love Molly I just Shannon. don't like Molly Shannon. I know you oh, don't. Oh, that hurts me so bad when you say that. She's like the female Adam Sandler. I said no, it. she's not. I said she's it. So... Over the top, stupid comedy. I can't stand. I love her so much. Okay. Um, <laughs> some smaller characters, but no less important. Um, Jonathan Traeger's fiance during the second half of the movie is Bridget Moynihan, who has been relevant in the last few days because she's Tom Brady's ex-wife and Tom Brady just won his 15th uh, Super Bowl. No, uh, no, no, we're not no, talking no. about this. What she was. Well, no, we're, she could talk about her all day long. Don't talk about not the mistakes she made her in her life, ex-husband. though. husband What, do we hate? I don't use that word. Tom I Brady? will use that word. He is... He is worthy of an earnest length rant from me. So let's move on before you like on a soapbox for 10 minutes. I think Anthony and I will both rant about Tom Brady. I'm convinced he's a mandroid. Like when you hear him talk, he sounds like like a robot a little bit. Maybe that's why he's such a bad role model to, to his fans as well by walking around, not wearing a mask and just acting <gasps> like he's better than the rules and everything because he's a freaking selfish. Oh, he, he does think he's better than the rules in case you don't remember he got caught cheating. Yep, and cheating. Got to, yeah. Deflate gate. Oh, that's right. Deflate gate. I've forgotten about all that. I'm a fan, but it's funny how adamantly y'all were reacting. Well, to it, that. it's funny. It's funny. I will say, I will. My favorite tweet from, <laughs> from Sunday Night Super Bowl was Andrew Yang. Remember Andrew Yang? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> he tweeted out, and ah, the old time honored tra- American tradition of hating on <laughs> coming together and hating on Tom Brady or whatever he said. And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I'm enough. not going to do that to Anthony. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know what else I appreciate? Speaking of Bridget Moynihan, she was yes. John Wick's wife in John Wick 1 and 2. Yes, she was. She was. she was also Nick Cage's wife in Lord of War. Was that was a good and movie? She's... You may not like Nick Cage, but he did really well with that. Was that a good movie? I haven't seen that one. I liked it. He's like oh. a drug, an arm dealer. Okay, she's an iRobot. I like that movie. <laughs> I feel, feel like that's one of those guilty pleasures. That's definitely a guilty pleasure one. Like that's one yeah. I will, I will keep on if I f- scroll through and see it on TV. Right. But it's never one I will admit to watching. If that makes right, sense. right. Yeah. Like I don't feel like it's good, but it is entertaining. I, I'm sick of Cambria song. Great I'm sick Cambria. of AI movies, and that's why I really didn't like Vision until WandaVision. Because, <gasps> but I, I'm just sick of AIs. They're so overdone. 
Yeah. Even Ramona and Beethus. Dorothy Quimby's mom. Dorothy Quimby. Yep. That's a sweet movie, y'all. I used to love those books, by the way. Those are great books. Um, and then most recently, she's in Blue Bloods, which I quite like that show because it has Tom Selleck in it. And I love Tom Selleck. That's no, cool. no, you had yours. That's Tom Selleck. Richard. <laughs> yes, it has Richard in it. Um, okay, so that's Jonathan Traeger's fiance. Let's oh, I think- take the other side. So Sarah's fiance in the second portion of the movie is played by another Sex in the City <laughs> alum. Um, Corbin, not Corbin Burnson. <laughs> <laughs> also would have been a very well, different movie <laughs> my favorite person um john corbett <laughs> plays yeah. her fiance as a jamming long-haired oboe player who is like super famous in iceland and i recognized him immediately from my big fat greek wedding he looked the same yes he did look the same Absolutely. Same look for sure. Northern a lot, a lot more oboe than, oh, I loved him in Northern Exposure. I mean, he was in, he was Northern Exposure. He was, yeah. Um, what's his name? The, the radio DJ guy. What was his name? It was a moose. His billing is like so far down I know on this it. page. Like what I don't the know heck? how his billing ended up so much lower than Eugene Levy. Yeah, I don't either. Oh, Eugene Levy. I love Eugene Levy. <laughs> We're not doing okay, that. I should have done that. I should have done that. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, Chris he Stevens. Kit. Kit. In Northern Exposure. That's right. Um, So he's a little part, but important given our and pretty plot twist. And pretty obnoxious. That's right. He was. Um, he's just wait, wait, wait. Which, which character are you talking about when you say pretty obnoxious? Which character? John Corbett. John. Which Corbett. character? Because John I feel like Corbett. you could say insert character name, <laughs> and it would still apply. I'm offended. He, you're going to call Eugene Levy. He also had a recurring role on Parenthood. <laughs> and United States of Kara. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The show you're, Julia he, needs to watch. You're annoyed that I'm going to call Eugene Levy obnoxious. I loved his character, but I mean, <laughs> he was obnoxious. That's what he. That's what he does. That's what he does. Eugene that's Levy. what he does. What exactly. he does. Which so he's I don't got know how his son's apple fell so far from the tree. <laughs> First of all, I love those two. Father, that father son, they are so cute together. Did you see the behind the scenes clip of him on SNL when his son went out to host? Like Eugene Levy was backstage applauding him. Like he looked so freaking happy for it. Like practically Aww. crying. I mean, it was so sweet. Oh, that is sweet. So Eugene Levy has a little part in the movie, but does provide a lot of the comedy in a very Eugene Levy kind of way. And not um, just by smiling at the camera with his eyebrows. Boy, those eyebrows are robust. His eyebrows smile? <laughs> they may as well. There are like two separate caterpillars living on him or something. <laughs> uh, Eugene Levy, I mean, a long history with comedy. I mean, we as Americans probably recognize him first from Father of the Bride or Saturday Night Live. Take your pick. American Pie. 
best in show. Yeah. Shuts Creek now. I mean, that's a case. Yes. Oh, that's true. Uh, I, yeah, now that would be the case. But before that, for me, he was always dog show. I mean, he was a lot of people's like he was a, a favorite character in American Pie as Jim's dad, the awkward. What's the dad of the birds and the bees talk? <laughs> Another set of movies I've never seen. They're not Julia movies. So. And nobody's surprised by that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is shocked by You're that. You're not missing out. <laughs> yes, you are. Really? They're as wholesome as American Pie. Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Only so after that's our American cast. Pie has had done to it what it's done to it in that oh, movie. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Moving on. Um, okay. So serendipity starts off... Um, in the past, you realize once you get 30 minutes into the movie, um, where we have John Traeger and Sarah Thomas reaching for the same pair of gloves at the same time. And it's the last pair of gloves there in Bloomingdale's. Um, by the way, movie opens up. It is Christmas time. It is Christmas time in New York city, which is delightful. Definitely very atmospheric. A nice right a nice new york city as a character movie to me it felt like that maybe not as thick as some other ones that that we've covered but there's i see what you i didn't say anything no but i'm pretty sure (laughs) word selection i have to be careful with what i say (laughs) sometimes what anthony doesn't say is just as important as what he said (laughs) Okay, so they come to an agreement with this pair of gloves that um, John Traeger is going to let her go ahead and take the gloves. Um, But in the meantime, why don't we catch, it's definitely a meet cute moment. Why don't we go to this cute little ice cream place and get something to eat? And it's Serendipity, which is a right famous New York institution. Yes, which is nowhere near as good. Is it just an ice cream shop? No, it's like a little, um, it's not just ice cream. It's more like a little uh, sweet shop, bakery almost type thing. Like sit down bakery almost. So it is in another, it is in another New York as a character movie. I like a lot more than this one that I saw around the same time. Also with my mom. It's it's a full restaurant, by the way. They're just known for their baked goods and ice cream and sweets and everything. Okay. Um, it's in One Fine Day. You know that movie with George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer? Mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. It doesn't have any Christmas in it, so I'm going to have zero chance to cover it on the podcast. So I'm going <laughs> to drop it right there. And if There's you want to talk about it later, that's true. Anyway, let's talk on the social media is about how amazing One Fine Day is. Hit me up. That's my George Clooney. <laughs> I love that movie. Okay. So they have a little something to eat at Serendipity and they know at this point that they each are with somebody else, right? She has a boyfriend. He has a girlfriend. In fact, he was shopping for his girlfriend. She was shopping for herself or her boyfriend. Um, So this is the infidelity that was mentioned at a certain early part of our episode tonight. No, no, no. This is for, for the record. This is not what I'm referring to when it comes to No, but it is the start of it because you do have, (laughs) and this is one of those things after the fact, I'm like, they were dating people and they're like invested at this point. Like definitely Jonathan Traeger is invested at this point because 
the rest of this plays out where they don't want to end the night at serendipity. So what do they do? Ice they skating. Go skating. Go skating. Like how romantic is that at Christmas time in New York City? With your not significant other. Right. It's pretty dang well, romantic. For the record, a certain former president businessman owns that skate rink that uh oh really they were skating on so that's not the one you and i are going to go skating at together anthony no i will take we're going to skate we're going to skate under the christmas tree what are you guys talking about (laughs) just you and i at christmas time exactly oh boy (laughs) (laughs) all right if only we had eugene levy eyebrows for that we could have won (laughs) (laughs) that would have been a very perfect time for an eyebrow wag Okay, so they go skating and there's definite chemistry between the two of them. I mean, you entirely forget that John even has a, a significant other because he's not acting like it, like at all. Like In zero. fairness, neither is she. She keeps saying she's attached, but she is clearly leading this guy on and being flirty. She is saying she's attached. He says, I mean, he is, he just seems- he, He's more, 100% more, yes, right. invested. But she's right. not- no, she's she, not. She can clearly see it and she's still going along with everything. Right. So here's where we get to the part where we note the difference between John and Sarah. John seems pretty practical, right? Like he just does a pretty straight shooter. She is stupid. Super granola. Destiny runs my life. Okay. Um, and she takes this <laughs> approach where he's like, can you just give me your number? And she's like, we have significant others. And he's like, look, we had this amazing first date and you're just going to toss it away because we might be in a current situation that could change at any point. And she's like, you know what? I think destiny will tell us if we're supposed to know who each other are and be able to contact each other. So first- Well, at this point, I want to reach to the screen and say, John, take the hint, man. Take the hint. She's trying to let you down easy here, man. He looks, I mean, what's so what's funny about this is he looks as flabbergasted with the whole thing as we all feel watching this, but he must really like this girl to go along with it. So- I mean, go to Kate, Kate freaking Beckinsale. <laughs> she's I mean. pretty beautiful. So they go to the, it's the Waldorf Astoria, right? Yes. Okay. Famous hotel. And a famous hotel. Yep. And then uh, they get in the elevators and she says, if we push the same floor, then we know it's meant to be. Oh no, I'm skipping the part. They do the phone number first. Well, before the phone number, even she leaves her scarf behind or something. Remember there was something before even the phone number. That's they right. They say they say goodbye and then he left his scarf or something and they both come across. She the left her the bag. Thing. So they yeah. meet back up again. That's right. So so we're getting these these heavy drops that like <laughs> this destiny thing she's talking about, we're just gonna keep hammering it together and make sure that you, the viewer, know that right. Destiny is trying to put them together. So, right. So they meet back up incidentally. And then she says, um, I'll write my name on a piece of paper for you and you can have my number. 
right, finally you've worn me down and here, let me do this. So she gives him the slip of paper and right at that moment, a big wind gust comes through and the paper like flies up in the air and he's like, then, it again. <laughs> yes. He has a ra rational reaction. Oh, can you write it again? And she I, is like spooked by this. She's like, no, I can't. And says, I'm like, mm -hmm. that's destiny absurd. saying it's not time. And so he proceeds to spend time saying, that's insane. <laughs> it's clearly time. And that's when they do the hotel thing where she says, I'll go in this elevator. You go in this elevator. If we push the same number and we meet up, it was meant to be. Well, no, there, there was something before it, right? Is it the number? Is it the $5 bill? Good grief. Is it, so so, so it's a, that happens beforehand he because they don't see each other he again writes, after the elevator. He uh, writes she, her name and phone number on a $5 bill. Uh -huh. and if it gets back to her she will call him so she takes a five dollar bill and gives it to like one of these um bodega stands on the on the street mm -hmm. and he's like wow that's weird essentially <laughs> and then uh -huh. she writes she writes her information in what was the name of the book love in a time book. of cholera yeah. yes love in a time of cholera and she said the next day she's going to go to a used bookstore and sell give it, it to them that's sell right. it and he's like, well, which used bookstore? I can't tell you because that's fate. If we're meant to be together, you'll find it. And this is absurd. And he's even knows this is absurd. Yes. And at this point, I'm like, just give him a fake number at this point. Just get away from it. <laughs> like, why are you stringing this guy along? But she clearly feels something for him too because she's like, she doesn't want that evening to end like that. She's just like, okay, let's go into the Waldorf. Yes. And take the elevator, take separate elevators. And if we hit the same floor and meet up when they open, that's Destiny saying we can be together now. Mm -hmm. So what happens there? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now that my plot's in order, thank you, Anthony. Um, they each get in their elevators. They both push number 23. So she's on her merry way up. But he gets some dad and a kid in a Satan costume at Christmas time, which is kind of inexplicable to me. And the kid pushes all the buttons and there's all of these delays. And so by the time he gets to 23, she is like, the, it's a whole just miss situation, like four just misses on the way out of the hotel. Cause she's walking away. She's distraught. I mean, she's upset because she thought it was going to happen. And he's upset because he can't find her because he didn't believe in this whole fate. Well, uh, in all fairness, I think kids dressing as Satan during Christmas is a normal thing. You know? Well, I was about to say they're very heavy-handed with the imagery here, right? Because they're talking about fate, and then a little kid dressed as Satan gets on the elevator and screws up for him, right? Yeah. Yep. Very heavy-handed with the imagery because I was thinking that too, Tom. I was like, uh, this is like, there's no reason. They don't address it at all. Like they're going to a costume party or anything. It's just <laughs> random kid dressed as Satan at Christmas. Very weird. So this is where we get the, uh, both of them walking away kind of upset. Um, and then we get a few years we, later. Yeah, very upset. She, why is she upset? She could have just given him the number. Why is she playing fault. this game? She yeah, regrets exactly. it. She regrets. I think she regrets it. I think she regrets and then, it. And then we get seven years, well, in the movie, it just it's a few, a few years, years later. But the filmmaker confirmed it was seven in like commentary seven or something. Years. Okay. Seven years. They haven't aged a day. They have not aged a day. He looks exactly fairness, the same. That's she John has a new Cusack haircut. Though, right? Huh? In all fairness, that was John Cusack for years too. 
yeah for a while there he didn't age and then like it caught up with him which is really unfortunate but um so a few years later we open up with jeremy piven giving a best man speech at what looks like a rehearsal dinner probably um and i mean the speech is great talking about how close him and john were in college and their best friends and all the stuff it's very funny haha um, and so he's talking about, you know, so happy for John. He's found the soulmate, one of those people that you really can just tell they were meant to be. And you don't see who he's talking about until the very last moment. Pan to the girl. And guess what? It's not Kate Beckinsale. It is not Sarah. It's Hallie, which is Bridget Moynihan's character. But so, he is still obsessed with Sarah. Seven years later. Imagine how much happier he could have been over these seven years had he gotten over this girl. Or just, or just accepted the fact, hey, I met, I ran into this cute girl. We had a fun night. That's it. That's it. I'm with a lovely, beautiful wife who I get along with. Seven years. I could have been married probably four years ago if I wasn't obsessing over this girl so much. Still. <sighs> this movie, when, man. When the name of the game on the movie is that you end up with your destiny he can't be anything other than that because it wouldn't be true of the movie i i mean i i get i get that it's a movie <laughs> well, i mean it might be nonsense to I, us. I, I reject so, the, pre the premise uh, so then we see sarah who is a therapist and she is counseling a guy who's distraught because he just lost the one and she very much tells a nice realistic response that there are a lot of people out there you could be happy with there's no such thing as soulmates, which was one mm. of the first conversations Christine and I had when we were dating. I don't believe. Is it really? Yes, I did. Told I do not believe in soulmates. We make our own happiness, uh -huh. uh, and that's why I think our marriage has been so great because we have to continually remember that every day you make a conscious choice to be married to the person that you're married to, and you make a conscious choice to love. Mm -hmm. If you forget that and you get carried away in emotion and these grand ideas of what love should feel like, I think that's why we have so many problems with infidelity. Like in this movie. I, I will say, I know I come across as a cynic online, but if you see me and my wife together, I'm the hopeless romantic and she's a cynic. So I don't think it's cynical. I don't think what I'm saying is cynical. I think it's very. No, 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 no. I, I don't think what you're saying is cynical either. Okay. I, I truly believe that. I just saying I know I come across as cynical on this show a lot of the times when it comes to these romantic movies, but I am not like that in real life. I'm practical. But I mean, I have, I was always known in college, like the, all my, I was friends with many girls and like, they were always rolling their eyes about how over the top my romantic gestures were when I was like into a new girl. They were like, what, why, don't do that. <laughs> um, right, so Sarah lives in San Francisco at this point now. Um, and she's a therapist, like Tom said. And she has this very practical approach to her clients, but deep down inside, that crunchy hippie still exists. <laughs> and she still believes that destiny is destiny. Um, she is proposed to by her oboe playing boyfriend. And so they're engaged. So John Traeger's engagement has been kind of a long thing. Hers is fresh, but either way, still engaged. And either way, okay, I'll, I'll give this to the movie. They sit up 
through the his marriage is coming up she just gets engaged there are big life events that would have you reflecting on the past a bit and like maybe oh mistake like did i make a mistake you know is this mm-hmm. where i should be so mm-hmm. i get why maybe they would think about one another at this point like right through their past but it's clear at least in john's part that he's been obsessing over her for seven years right it does definitely come off that way which she planted that horrible little seed with the book thing and so now he's like obsessed and compulsive like he has to compulsively go into every bookshop he sees and that makes me sad like that's sad. That's a mean. Not only every bookshop, every like vendor on the street, yeah. you know, flipping through their books, annoying them, <laughs> and like. Can I ask it you is a New York question? Yes. Are there book vendors on the streets? There are vendors for everything on the streets, and half of them don't everything. have the and half of them don't have the permits to be there, which is why everything is on blankets. So the cops come by and try to shut them down, which they don't often do because they're on every street corner. They could just bundle up the blanket and run off. Oh my gosh, book vendors though, that's magical. No, that's you can buy any junk on the, you, I think you were in San Francisco for Dreamforce, so it's a little bit different, they clean up, but usually same thing, they're just blankets of any random stuff. Oh really, in, in San Francisco yeah. there usually is? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they must have cleaned it up. I mean, I most most big cities vendors. I've, most big city, cities I've been to have that, like Boston the same way. Huh, that's interesting, okay. Um, all right, so then we get to the part of the story where each person is trying to track down the other person. So John enlists his friend, Jeremy Piven, who works at the New York Times as an obituary writer. Hey, use your resources to help me find Sarah. Here's what I know about her. Not a lot. Not and much. He's, and he's a good friend. Like he tells He's him, a great friend. He's, a, he's a, basically, it's, you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Insane. you're gonna throw away a good thing yeah and he's talking about how he, you're you know he's married so he's kind of the role model here of what you know they're going for and mm-hmm. um, he's trying to give him the good advice and he's just not and just not listening right this is a friend that's being ignored right he is because john's like look i got a short amount of time to tie up this loose end otherwise it's going to bother me for the rest of my life uh, clearly not, because I feel like, no offense to, or maybe this is, like, I feel like he was so obsessed with her. If she showed up after he got married, he would have left her, frankly. I or, don't sound like thinking about that, because that's icky. I bet. <laughs> it totally fits with this character. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying, <laughs> ew, don't. In your head, Ken, ew. it doesn't fit. Okay. Yeah, no, that's right. So, in order to track Sarah down, he returns to Bloomingdale's. He talks to Eugene Levy's character. Very funny thing. He basically gets extorted by Eugene Levy um, to for information that was in his hands already um, because they find the receipt for the gloves. And so they track the receipt back to the storehouse, which puts them in contact with the credit card and they find their way to where she lived when she lived in New York City which was at a loft with this artist and there's a whole mistaken identity. They think the artist was the boyfriend, but not really. It was a, it was a roommate finder. And so they go back to serendipity because of course, serendipitously, the place where she had found this place to live was next door to serendipity. Of course. And of course, and 
And so they cherry pick their way around um, as they're cherry picking or as they're daisy chaining is a better thing as they're daisy chaining their way back through the history of Sarah to try and find some contact information. Jeremy Piven's character is like really getting into it. And like, he's getting sucked in by the romantic nature that, you know, of John just kind of being desperate to find this stuff and willing to do whatever. So at the same time ish, <laughs> Kate has convinced her fiance Sarah. to let her Sarah, right? <laughs> Sorry, that's right. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Um, Sarah has convinced her fiance to let her go to New York City to just chill because like stuff has been crazy and she just needs a brain break with her girlfriend, Molly Shannon. Well, well, we should note that when they got engaged, so she has set up her business practice. She's, she has a lot of patience. And now that they're engaged, she expects her to pick up and go on tour with her, move to Europe for a few months. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't want to leave her patience. And they're like, oh, they can survive without you for a little while. Just go have fun. And she kind of has this little mini breakdown. She goes outside to smoke in the rain, cries a bit, like thinking about, is this her life going mm -hmm. forward? Which I guess makes her think more of John Cusack and what could have been and that's well, when sure. she decides and to go and ask she needs a little breather right and Molly Shannon is, works at this like new age bookstore and she's so funny to me and I just think she's hilarious. I just love this she's cynical about everything in her bookstore like a lady asks for a candle right she's like can I get this certain kind of candle she's like oh it's in there next to this other you know hippy dippy new age stuff and as soon as the lady goes in, she tells, you know, she, she, she says, and, and that's what happens when you take this stuff too far. You know, you're sitting at home alone, lighting a candle and waiting for the perfect man. Right. I love it. <laughs> right. So they come to New York City um, and Molly Shannon's character does not know she's going to New York in an effort to track down said perfect man from seven years ago she that Destin nearly failed her. And she was, that's, she was deceived, but she gets and, her on board yeah. again. And, and she becomes a willing party, just like Jeremy Piven was. So they're each trying to track each other down. And as they are attempting to track each other down, you see these little tidbits of destiny just sprinkled, no, dumped throughout the entire movie. You see Cool Hand Luke references, which was something that was talked about in the very beginning of the movie. And like all of these things. Well, we so, should know. We should know that what's at the very beginning of Jonathan's quest. He gets in the cab and he gets stuck in traffic, and he hears the name Sarah on the radio. The biker next, the guy on the bike next to him is singing Sarah, Sarah, and like mm -hmm. he's taking this yep. all as a sign from the universe, as if as if Sarah's not in the top ten most common girls' names of all time in like every freaking country. <laughs> So John gives up at a certain point. He's like, look, we've really exhausted all of our resources. And at this point, it feels like it's not destiny anymore, right? It feels like- well, it's a different destiny, right? Because he gives up right in front of a bridal shop where he sees this beautiful image of the bride, here comes a bride right. or something. And he's like, of course, he relates that to his current fiance. And right. this almost feels like a betrayal to Jeremy Piven. It's like, you've come so far- Right. Right. Let's just finish this. Well, and I think he says that. He's like, you're just going to stop here. And he's like, 
Yeah, I think that's what Destiny's telling me is I've got this great thing, so let me follow through with it. So these P characters are clearly the type who open a fortune cookie and follow the device to a T, not realizing <laughs> you get another fortune on the back on a website. <laughs> so he goes through with the um, rehearsal dinner. You know, they've got the place all set up and it's beautiful. And so they do the whole exchanging of, well, supposed to be the exchanging of the gifts that they give each other and he doesn't have anything for Bridget Moynihan, but she has something for him. This, this is after so she's ex- sad. Yeah. What is this it? Is what is it? After, well, after she expressed, you're like a million miles away. Everything's perfect, except you seem like there's something off. Is there something wrong? And he's like, no, it's just wedding jitters or whatever. So she gives him the present and but- the present is love in a time of cholera. And you can and he- see his face. And he opens the book and there's Sarah's number and last name, which he didn't know up to this point. Sarah Thomas, her number. And you can see it on his face. And, but the first question he asked is, why did you get this for me? Yep. And, and the answer was heartbreaking. She says, every time we pass a bookstore, I see you go in and flip through this book. And I realized you never had it. And that, like, imagine being this poor woman Mary, like with this guy for like years, who's been obsessing over another girl trying to find her contact information. I know, I can't Anthony think of- is on the anti-infidelity <laughs> side. Anthony is on our side. He, he has a heart. <laughs> His moral compass is a little bent, but it's there. It's there. <laughs> it's there. Yeah, this was one of those seeing it now is very different for me than seeing it then because I had like, I don't know. I didn't really care. I was happy that he finally found her stuff and I was just excited to see what happened next. But yeah, I feel real bad for this chick. Yeah, we, real, real bad. bad. Like, real bad. Like that's, that's, that's bad. Also, when you stop and think about it, this movie could never happen today because Google no. would have helped them in like yep. an instant. That's right couldn't happen today that's right i was watching dave over the weekend which is one of my favorite movies of all time you know with uh kevin klein pretending like he's the president but he's not really the president dave yes. yep, yep. that movie could not happen nowadays with cell phones nope. none of it completely impossible it's funny okay so so john takes the book leaves you don't know what just happened after he received the book by the way, they don't show you that. He gets in the cab with Jeremy Piven and he hands him the book and he says, look at that mess right there. And so Jeremy Piven gets on his little New York Post or New York Times, whatever he works for. And he dials up the little nut or dials his friend up and says, track this number down. Like he works at the freaking FBI, by the way, which is pretty impressive that he can do all this stuff. But I think he's aware of it because I think he said that earlier in the movie, like, dude, I just work at the paper. What do you think I have like unlimited resources at my fingers? Especially <laughs> because he's an old bit writer. What do they do? They Wait. get on a plane. So where does this take? Find her. That's right. <laughs> oh and my God. What do they find when they it... get there? What do they find when they get there? They find her friend who is house-sitting her house while she's gone, having sex with her boyfriend in the living room. In front of an open, huge, like, bay window. I mean, it was an isolated house. Whatever. I'm not judging. Maybe maybe that's their... Maybe they... 
you know, maybe they like the idea of being seen. Who knows? But <laughs> Jeremy Piven is a good friend here. He sees it first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, no, 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 no. You know what? Call her first. Call her first. Knock at the door. Yeah. Just surprise her. Does he, he like tackles him to the ground? Yeah, so yeah, tacks him on the ground. And then uh, and then this just shows John Cusack's been pining after this woman for seven years and doesn't even recognize that's not her when he sees her through the window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seven years is a long time. It's Kate Beckinsale. And I if I'm, if I'm gonna run into her on the street, I'm not gonna forget that <laughs> okay so he's distraught and what do they do they head back wait no this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie they're lying on the grass outside this house upset and this is my favorite line about destiny and the whole thing when his friend tells him maybe we're lying here because you don't want to be standing somewhere else oh that's right that's a good line that's right maybe that's what Destiny's telling you yep Destiny's kind of a jerk. I mean, geez. Look at how many uh, hearts it breaks and, and the, the the just sheer anxiety that this man carries for seven years and the fact that he's, you know, getting ready to get married and going to leave this woman at the altar. This is just crap. I'm sorry. So John and his friend head home on an airplane. In the meantime, we are wrapping up Sarah's tracking down of john um which has taken her you know predictable places kind of like with john's stuff um but we also find out molly shannon was good friends with john's fiance bridget moynihan and she's actually invited to the wedding and so she also says well why don't you come with me sarah because sarah does I mean, not realize who this person is right she p- know pity so. invite pity invite she wasn't invited initially it's just because oh you're in I town don't care. i'll go to pity any wedding invite. I love weddings. I, I do don't too. care. You can pity invite me to any wedding. I'll go to it. Okay. A wedding. I'll keep that in mind. I love weddings. They're so much fun. Okay. <laughs> Are you so... inviting her to your next one, Anthony? I was about to say, you guys, next one. <laughs> pity invites. You'll get it the week before. Bless his little heart. That's right. Um, okay. So the end of Kate's story didn't take her to San Francisco. She shows up at his house. There's a bunch of people outside and they're like, oh, well, I mean, like the wedding is probably already started. And she's like the wedding. And they're like, yeah, he's getting married today. And she's like, crap. And so she jumps back in a cab, goes to the Waldorf Astoria, which is where the wedding was also. And runs into the place where they were going to get married and like yells out, stop when she runs in, like, if you think about that during an actual wedding, that embarrassed me. That embarrassed me a little bit. Again, for Bridget Moynihan. Okay. And so yet, the guy if is, it happened in real life, I would be like, get the popcorn now. I want to see what. Right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so there's a guy stacking chairs, and she's like, oh my gosh, did I miss it? And he's like, yeah, it's over. And she's like, oh, that's horrible and she's really upset and he's like but don't worry you'll get the gift back and she's like what now and so turns out the wedding did not happen and she leaves crying out of crying tears of happiness she just at least at least i'll find him now i'll give this to her i'll give this to her it didn't seem like she was gonna go pursue and break up the marriage she was willing to leave it looked like she was willing to leave it at that moment if he had gotten i mean she was she was saying stop in the room where the 
well, wedding was going to happen. Well, but, it, but when it when it was over, when she realized when it was over, it, it didn't look like she was going to. When it looked like she didn't make it in time, she was planning to leave it. So she oh. has some morals, I guess. That's a bit of a stretch. Okay, so at some point, she had been she had gone back to that skating park, right? And she had broken things off as well with her oboe playing fiance because she, same thing, right? Like, I'm not happy. There's some loose ends that are just, she comes to the same conclusion that John comes to on the lawn in San Francisco, except she doesn't have Molly Shannon telling her that stuff. Yep. So she, she, she's a woman. She's smarter and figured this stuff out on her own. <laughs> so she had left her jacket at the skating rink where they skated seven years ago um molly shannon is leaving you know she's told molly shannon what's happened molly shannon's like what are you gonna do now and she's like well i don't know i'm gonna find him if his wedding is over and i guess he's single again so i'm gonna just find some way to find him and so molly shannon leaves and she's like hey you need a coat it's real cold out here which makes her say hmm where's my coat so pause button, we are back and we see John and Jeremy Piven and they're walking around New York and it's beautiful. I, I know I'm mixing well, the names, using... just bear with me. I just, I just love that. I can't help it. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> when you have actors like this, no matter what their character's names are, it's John Cuse back with Jeremy Piven, right? Right. Well, he plays, I mean, his name's John and his name is Jonathan. So I'm just calling him John can be either one, either one. So they're walking and Jeremy Piven's character is like, look, what can I do to make you feel better? John says, not really anything. And he's like, look, I wrote this for you. And he ended up writing an obituary for John because it's what he does. And that's how he communicates is in obituaries. Um, in the meantime, he tells them he's going to make up with his own wife who they had separated because there was no magic in the relationship. And John has taught him magic is important like look all the ends of the earth you went to to find her again even though it didn't turn out for you like romance is important and i'm gonna go apologize to my wife and i'm hoping for the best so john reads this obituary and it kind of i don't know it doesn't make him happy but it seems to make things okay right because it's like clarity it does so he finds his way as he's reading the obituary back to the skating rink, like destiny took him there. I don't know. And he finds this jacket laying on the bench and he uses it as a pillow in the middle of the skating rink. Which by the way, cops would have hauled him off that for real in New York or, or some <laughs> jerk like May would have purposely went and bumped into him with the skates as I'm skating to prove what happens when you lie in the middle of my turf that I'm paying to use. <laughs> And so he's laying there, it starts to snow. And what does he see? But a glove fly through the air. And of course, he had one of the gloves. Sarah had one of the gloves, a part of her little key and lock thing at the very beginning of the movie. And so he looks up and she's there all of a sudden. And everything it's is like right. Serendipity. With the world. It's serendipity. It is serendipity. Stop it. <laughs> and there together and the very last scene is a year later they're celebrating their anniversary at the glove counter with eugene levy with eugene and it's levy. christmas again that's right <laughs> who, who refuses to show he who first of all doesn't want them drinking champagne near the products and then refuses to show them the cashmere gloves because it's closing time 
It's not, even, not even they, they're just not allowed to have the drink in there at all and they're drinking you know champagne, champagne. out mm-hmm. of paper dixie cups or whatever that's right so that's our movie yeah that's it i i would like to read a quote real quick by a few i would uh, by roger ebert who give this film one and a half stars. <laughs> so he describes a film, says they must leave themselves in the hands of fate. Fate, I have no problem with. Leaving themselves in the hands of this screenplay is another matter. It bounces them through so many amazing coincidences and serendipitous serendipitous parallels and cosmic concordances that fate is not merely knocking on the door it has entered with a SWAT team and is banging their heads together and administering poppers and then he goes on to say years pass two or three in the movie seven but more in the theater <laughs> so it's a remarkably oh, short boy. movie like it's, a yeah, it's an hour and a half like 90 minutes but it felt not feel long. like it yeah, agreed. It feel longer than that. Um, any favorite quotes or scenes? Well, I read my favorite quote. I'm just really pressed to be done with it. Really? I'm trying to find a Oh, Eve was um, Molly Shannon's name. I did like when, so John Cusack, I guess, works at one of those putting ranges in New York. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they track, they go to it. And Eve says, you know who plays golf? Guys who are too fat to play tennis, like this guy. Driving range. What did you say? He said putting. Oh, putting. That's usually called. Oh, they are driving. They're not putting. That's true. Yeah, they're using drivers. Well, golf is an incredibly boring sport, so I don't care about paying it the respect it deserves. (laughs) Gosh. Um. Okay, as far as scenes, and I'm, again, I, I like this movie. Um, it's got its issues for absolute sure, but I don't turn it off if it's on TV and I happen to be watching. Or not watching it if it's does just it come on, on the a lot. Like that's not sarcasm. Like it doesn't. Come no, on I don't think so because it's been like it's been a minute since I'd seen this movie, many many minutes actually. Um, but I have, like I said, a certain nostalgia for movies of this type around this time period because of my mom. And you tell me a romantic story, and nine times out of ten, I'm just going to be cool with it, whether it's well done or not. I mean, I like Hallmark movies too. So. Wait, so are you so you're the type who likes how we met stories, like when sure. people ask? I hate those. Okay. Oh, like do I ask people personally how you met? Like if they tell those stories, yeah. Oh no, I'm not. I mean, I don't. Know I was about to say. I was about to say. I hate those. You know how it ends? You met. Let me guess. You met in the end. I don't need to hear the specifics. You met. You're both here talking to me. Anyway, Cynical Anthony's back. I thought you said you were like super romantic. Um, 1.7. I'm not even there yet. Said Julia has quotes. 
Well, I thought I did. I may not. Um, I, doubt, I doubt you do. Oh, I did have a quote. That was the whole point. I was getting to the fact that it was a scene that I like. So I like the last scene where John sees her across the skating rink and he gets teary eyed. And that makes me, I don't like that. It makes my heart squish. I liked the scene at the beginning, honestly, where he tells her the story of, um, you know, one of the constellations up there and he traces yeah, Cassiopeia. Some- Cassiopeia. Yeah. I yeah, I thought that was cute, and I'll give this to the film. The crib, the Christmas atmosphere at the beginning of the movie is off the charts. This it's is beautiful. not a Christmas movie, though. In my opinion, no. Set at Christmas. Set yeah, at Christmas. just set it. And even and then, it's set. On it's only set like, I don't know what twenty percent at Christmas. It's bookended at Christmas. It's, it's not even really at set Christmas. at Christmas. Correct. Well, yeah. 1.7. No, you're right. Is that, does that have a Linus moment? No. No, it has a finding no. each other again moment. They still have this crazy idea that the universe is concerned with how who they pair up with. You think I it's mean, a Linus moment? No. But I thought okay. it got I was expecting because again, I haven't seen this before. Yeah. So I and it was so overly sickly sweet. I was expecting, you know, uh, some reveal like maybe Jeremy Piven was a freaking angel or you know, the, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was expecting something like that because I was like, this is they are. It's it, it's ridiculous in the amount of coincidences in this movie. I think it's coincidai. <laughs> it is laid on pretty thick. Um. <laughs> Anybody want to guess what I'm giving this movie? I think you're going with a 1.7. Good job, Julia. Anthony, what are you going to give it? <laughs> it was far from the worst thing we ever covered. I put on the same level as I did Royal Wedding, the Christmas Prince Royal Baby. I'll probably give oh, it a... boy. How dare you? That movie was the best of the trilogy. That's all I'm saying. I'm giving it a 4.4. I'm coming in at a 3.9. It's the usual thing with Anthony. This movie's terrible. I hate everything about it. It's not bad. Yeah, I'm giving it a 9. And Julia's like, yeah, I'm giving it a 2. This just happens so much with you two. I love it. (laughs) It gives us an average of 3.33. That ties it <laughs> in tier four. You'll shoot your eye out, kid, with a Hallmark movie starring Candace Cameron Bure. Oh, it's, t- it's, it's tied at number 74 with Switched at Christmas, which is between Good Luck Charlie, It's Christmas, and Planes, Trains, and Automobile. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Christmas, or not Christmas, maybe Christmas, what did y'all think of that Edward Scissorhands sequel commercial during the Super Bowl? I liked it. It's Timothy Chalamet, right? Playing their son? Yeah. Winona he Ryder. really yeah. looks like, he really looks like he could be Edward's son. I missed the big, the big football game. I don't blame you. You didn't miss much. You, you missed a... Uh, awful awful human being uh playing for and uh 
somehow winning. Everyone should just get the Kansas City vaccine because when you have that, you won't catch anything. Oh my gosh. It was a bit of a snooze halftime show also. The whole game was a snooze. It wasn't close at all. Like it was boring, boring, boring. The best thing to come out of that game was the meme from the halftime show where it's going to the house of mirrors looking lost. (laughs) I didn't understand any of that either. This is bad, 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 bad. I would like to welcome Claude Boulanger, who is a our newest five dollar patron. So Claude, you have some pins coming your way. Did you guys get your pins yet? Nope. Not yet. I've gotten all my other mail in time. <laughs> I haven't had Do a that. single thing late yet. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Claude. Were you about to say I'm going to have to take them to the post office? Because that's what I feel like you were about to say. No, I was about to say I have to take it up with the post office. <laughs> I have the receipts. So if I'm you a, want, if you I, want I join, do want to say welcome, Claude, though. And yeah, just, you want to, we, uh, we welcome you. And anybody else who would like to get in on some awesome new limited edition Tis the Podcast pins, head over to patreon.com and uh, search Tis the Podcast or go to tisthepodcast.com slash Patreon. Subscribe at at least $5 a month. You get some pins, some stickers, and access to some awesome bonus content, which uh, we've been thinking up some new ideas for things we're going to add next. So we'll be we'll be getting something in the feed in the next few weeks. We just need to How work else? out scheduling. How else can they get in contact with us, Julia? Well, if you want to just come chat with us or chat with Claude, because he is also on our social medias, um, you can find us anywhere you get that. So tisapodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, Reddit, um, pick your poison and come talk to us and all of our awesome listeners as well. And we'd love to know what you think about not just this movie or this week's episode, but anything we've covered in the past, your Christmas thoughts in general, um, anything we are open to any type of discussion on our social medias what are we doing next week anthony well first julia i'd like to thank you for reading last week's chapter of another christmas story and uh covering up my mistake that i wrongfully blamed on tom and i apologize to tom uh thank you anthony that was very big of you (laughs) i appreciate you taking responsibility and uh relinquishing me from from the guilt that i'm feeling there so if you haven't listened yet y'all julia read last week's chapter of another christmas story and tom is reading this week's chapter and after this week we get to some listeners like rebecca ball and jerry davila and april riley and todd killian and all these people you've heard before some of whom you haven't coming up too so uh check it out every thursday in your feed um little bonus episode so check it out and next week in your regular monday episode feed we I know Tom and I are very excited. We are covering the two Christmas episodes of Arrested Development. And the week after that, we're delving into tool time with Tim the Toolman Taylor with Home Improvement. And I know, you know Julia is very excited because we are getting away from our list for a while. 
I really hope that we get some listener feedback on these before they come in because there's something about TV shows and the way they capture our attention and they, they hold that special place in our, our memories. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd love to hear what you all have to say about Arrested Development's Christmas episode, Home Alone's Christmas episode, or the shows in general. I have something to say about the Arrested Development Christmas episode. Afternoon Delight. That's you don't ever sing that song with your niece or nephew? <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out, by the way, to our listener, Nina, who always sends us such lovely messages on Instagram. She's from Norway or Sweden. She's from overseas. She's not from America. Um, and she always comments on our things, on our Monday episodes and our Thursday episodes. And she sends us messages about traditions in her country. And she sent us a voice memo the other day um, thanking us for the show and everything. And she's just awesome. So okay. thank you, Nina. She's very kind. She's very sweet. And I love that we got to hear your voice. I would love to hear more of our listeners' voices. So feel free hey, to send us her, messages. Let's get her permission to... Uh to play that on here. That'd be fun to start playing some of the listeners on the regular feed. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think so too. Y'all, we are down to 7,536 hours until That's only 314 days. It's only two weeks until we're out of the 300s already. That's pretty cool. Yeah, only 44 weeks. Y'all do it's your homework, watch Arrested Development, get the, the TV queued up with no improvement, and we will see y'all next week. Same Christmas time, same Christmas place. Hi, y'all. We're on the island to the Sunset Strip. Somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright. Oh, thanks, Tom. That was nice.